Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Acts chapter 19, we'll go there in just a moment. Acts 19 is a, another favorite passage of mine. <laughs> Come on, let's give them a shout. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> oh, my. Acts, the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. It's called the Acts of the Apostles, but it really is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And so Acts 19 is a record. One, two, three. <laughs> Those online aren't quite sure what's happening. It's a record uh, of the revival that hit Ephesus. The greatest New Testament revival. And what do I mean when I say revival? How many of you know what that means? If I say that there's a revival here in the book of Acts 19 in Ephesus, do you know what that means? Now, that, that's language that's thrown around a lot in circles like ours. Revival is when, well, re means again, vival, vibe, to bring life. So to have a revival, you would have had to have life to begin with. So really, revival or vival, it could, it could be both because there is a, there's a, a people that used to be on fire that's fallen away that come back to the Lord and get their, their hearts renewed before God. That's called revival. But generally speaking, revival is the outpouring in the Spirit over a region, over a people, over a territory, where people begin to come to Christ in unprecedented measures, and, and supernatural things take place. And I will tell you that America has been marked with a revival. And there's been revivals all, all over the world, and there is, again, the fire of renewal and revival and the outpouring of the Spirit happening all over the earth. People are desperate. People are hungry. I was talking to Tiff Shuttlesworth today. He was talking about how desperately hungry people are to understand the end times and to understand what's happening in the day and the hour in which we live. We went through COVID last year, and all of a sudden, people like, bang, all of a sudden you realize, huh, the book of Revelation could come to pass. If you know anything about the book of Revelation, you go through COVID and you realize that we got all locked down. The whole world got controlled by some people in power. And I understand COVID was real. I had it and I don't have it anymore. Come on, somebody say amen. So I understand it was real, but there's a lot of things that took place where you realize, man, I think we could get whittled down to nothing. Revival. Acts 19, as I said, is the greatest New Testament revival. The Apostle Paul wanted to go there, but the Holy Spirit would not let him. You can read about that. And he, he was led on a journey to gather a team of people, and I feel like we've been doing that. I feel like God has been giving us a team of people, and if you're not a part of that team, well, you can be a part of it tonight. You can sign up, get into a Discover track. Come on, you do a, the, the youth do a, a, a dance like that. I mean, if I was a youth, I'd be like, sign me up for the next one. I'm just so glad to be a part of a team. And God has assembled a team of people, not just here, all over the world, 
Kings worldwide, 400 churches now pushing to hit 1,200 in the next four years by 2025. And that is happening all over the world in churches all over the world. So are you ready? We're going to look at this revival and from it we're going to pull out some elements to understand what actually the elements of an outpouring are. And we're going to see where we are with that and apply it to our lives. And I really believe by the end of this service, and I'm not going to preach long to you, they've got 35 minutes on the clock, not that I ever obey that, but, but it's not going to be real long, I don't think. Maybe. Stand up on your feet all across this place, Acts 19. And let's take it from verse... I'm just going to go for a big old chunk of it here. Let's go from verse 1. New International Version. Are you ready? While Apollos, was in, well, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. Where is he? Ephesus. It's in modern-day Turkey. There he found some disciples, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, No. We've not even heard there was a Holy Spirit. So can you imagine running into some folks from another church who said, hey, what's up? Uh, did you receive the Spirit since you believed? It's quite a question to ask. It's not something that we do today, but it's something that Paul believed firmly in. And they answered, no, we have not even heard the Holy Spirit. Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? They said John's baptism. So these are John the Baptist's disciples a long, long, far, far away from where they met John who, of course, is now beheaded and in heaven. Verse 4, Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. In who? Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all, which is fascinating. Gentiles, 12, a governmental number, 12 tribes. Now, 12 men here out of this Gentile area of Ephesus. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there. How? How did he speak? Boldly. He didn't speak timidly. He spoke spoke boldly. There for three months, 90 days, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. Imagine that. And they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. Bunch of backstabbers. So Paul left them, which is a good thing to do. Some people you need to leave. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannius. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. The whole area heard the word in two years. What in God's name is wrong in this day and hour? Okay, we're going to get there. Verse 11, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Some of the Jews who went about driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, 
in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. So they're, they're going about doing it. But one day, verse 15, everybody say one day. One day, an evil spirit answered them. I hate when that happens. Jesus I know, Paul I know about, but who are you? And the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all, and he gave them such a beating. Everybody say such a beating. Such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding, and one friend of mine affectionately says that they're the first streakers. For all of you from the 70s, you know what that is. Verse 17. When this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. The name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And when they calculated the value of their scrolls, they came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, I want you to say verse 20. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Father, thank you for what you're going to do. Mess us up with truth. Move in power. May we never be the same. Come on, lay your hands on your heart and ask God to touch and change your life. God, touch and change our lives tonight. When we leave this place, when, when, the, when the broadcast ends for those online, when it's all said and done tonight, may we know that you have spoken and may the results of your word going forth come to pass. May signs, wonders, and miracles be released even as I preach. Holy Spirit, come by your power, come by your anointing, God, and change us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Put your hands together for God. That was like kind of a golf clap. Let's try that again. Put your hands together for God. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I don't want to get into my whole story. It's rather extreme, and you might not ever come back if you hear my whole story, especially if you're not acquainted with the power of the blood and what Jesus can do in the life of somebody who would surrender to him. But I have seen over and over and over lives transformed by the power of God. And it never gets old for me. He's a God. They said he's a God of the second chance. Oh, heck no, that's not true. He's the God of the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. And if you want to keep testing him, you want to be careful because you might end up being turned over to a reprobate mind and then you won't have any more chances. Somebody says, well, I'm just not ready. I'm going to go out and do it again tonight. I'm going to go to the the slingshot or whatever that is down there, mugshot. Oh, what is that proverb? Like a stone that's tied in the slingshot. You know what that's like? You have a stone in there, you let it go and it hits you in the head. I've seen people transformed by the power of God. That's, that's who we are here. That, that is who we are. Religion and tradition, rules and regulations that come from men bring no deliverance, bring no power, bring, have no authority to transform the human heart. But God takes out the heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh. He will change you. You don't need to gather a bunch of facts, memorize a bunch of scripture, to try to spout off platitudes so that people think that you know something. I'll tell you how when you know somebody, when you really know something, it transforms your life from the inside. When you really learn scriptural truth, it does something on the inside of you. It rearranges you and it changes your behavior. Some of you need a behavioral change. 
So this revival's poured out. An outpouring of the Spirit takes place. And it's pretty radical what happens. It's pretty radical indeed. So some of the components of the revival are found right in the Scripture. In verse 5, it says, On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Paul meets some believers. He asks them, Hey, have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost? And they said, We haven't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. So he finds out they're John the Baptist's disciples. He leads them in prayer to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He lays hands on them, and they pray in tongues. There's an emphasis, number one, if you're taking notes, an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. There's an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. I want you to say that. There's an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. I don't know why the third part of the Trinity is oftentimes ignored. He's not an it. He's not a dove. And you can grieve him. And you can either welcome him into your home, welcome him into your heart, welcome him into his service, or you can shut him out. And I will tell you, in this house, we want him to come and do whatever he wants to do. Why is that? Because we have found one touch. What was that? One word from God changes everything. One touch from God changes everything. One one moment with God can transform your life. Religion can't do that. Years of psychotherapy can't do that. How do you know? I know. One touch from God. In revival, there's always an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. Come and lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Come on, ask the Holy Spirit to increase his activity here. Come and have your way. Increase your activity tonight. Have full reign. Have full sway. We yield to you. We yield to you tonight. Hallelujah. Look at verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Extraordinary miracles. Extraordinary miracles. Do you think God still does extraordinary miracles? We could take the rest of the service to talk about. how many, Raise your hand if you've ever had... I don't need a mic. But we use it so that people online can, can hear. And so I, we've been having some technological challenges. You know, Jesus never used a mic, but then again, God is the sound of many waters. He speaks and it thunders. God can do extraordinary miracles, and he is. But I want you to begin to position yourself for extraordinary miracles. How's that? Ask for them. Look for them. Believe for them. There is a growing wave of revival here in Alaska. The second thing you'll see right in the text, I want you to look at verse 9. The training of the word. But some of them became obstinate. Let, Let me just stop and say, in the midst of outpouring, you'll always have people that are stiff necked, stubborn, and obstinate. And we war not against flesh and blood. So even though they might be stiff-necked, stubborn, and obstinate, you're like, you're talking about my husband right now. Well, I might be. It might be you, actually. You you know, you got to be careful. And even though that the people are stiff-necked, stubborn, and obstinate, you don't stop doing what God called you to do. If you're always looking for somebody to pat you on the back and congratulate you that you're living holy and righteous before God and you're full of the Spirit and you're witnessing, think again. Not everybody's going to thank you for that. In fact, I would say this, if you don't have some opposition in your life, 
You better ask, actually, if you're doing anything for God, because there's always opposition. But opposition is a springboard for breakthrough and miracles. If you're being opposed, come on. If there's a big, fat-headed giant in front of you, take a stone out of the brook and drop him. And if his brother comes over the hill, as our friend Barry Stone said, go back to the brook, get another stone, and sink it into his forehead too. There's an, there's an emphasis of the training of God's word. They refuse to believe and publicly malign the way. And that's, that's happened to us here, and I'm sure it's not half over yet. I was, I've told this before, but I was, I was in a sauna uh, not all that long ago, and there was a group of people that started talking about our new building. And I could just, it just felt like it was going to go south. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, did you see that building up there? Man, I can't believe. It started like that. I said, hey, I just stopped them. And I like, I said, yeah, I'm the pastor. It's my church. I just want to tell you, you know, just in case you wanted to start to go off. And they're like, oh. I just saved them from embarrassment. That's all. There's always going to be people that don't like you. Listen, statistically, this is not really true, but I like it, so just apply it to your life, all right? Statistically, there's only two or three people that like you anyway. So make sure your ways please the Lord, and it'll make even your enemies to be at peace with you. He will turn it all for good. Can you say amen? Revival, there's an emphasis on the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the outpouring of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit. There's laying on of hands. The second thing you'll see is there's training in God's Word. It goes on to say that Paul left them. Some of you need to leave some people. Some of you are not being promoted, elevated, and moving forward in God because you got Jonah on board. You got, you got, you're connected to somebody. You need to cut the apron strings. I'm going over here. I felt some love somewhere in the back. You need to cut the strings and, and, and just let them figure it out. Move on. Come on, you can't be a nursemaid all your life. Rough crowd tonight. He took the disciples with him. How many of you know what the word disciples means? Because this is Paul, so it's not, it's not Jesus, it's Paul. He took the disciples, those who were disciplined followers of Jesus. He took them with him, away from the maligners, away from, the, from the, those who were filled with strife, away from those who, who didn't believe, who wanted to argue. He took them away, and he went to a place called the, 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 the Meeting Hall of Tyrannius, the Lecture Hall of Tyrannius. It's still there. You can go and see that. I understand I haven't seen it, but, I, but I'm told you can still see that. That's amazing. And what they would do is they would da- he would daily spend time, daily. He led discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannius, which what I think is amazing is in revival, when there's a fresh touch of God, Sunday's not something that you just have to, oh, come on, I got to, you know, Sunday, I got to go. I'm glad you came. I'm glad you're here tonight. Loving God, learning his word, growing in God, 
prayer, talking about God, talking about miracles. That's a daily thing. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's seven days a week, full-time worshiping God, loving God. Not some part-time religious thing that's just a stench in the nostrils of God where you come to fulfill a religious obligation, but you never you never get transformed, and your family never gets transformed, and your marriage never gets transformed, and your neighbors don't even know you're a believer. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people loving God, being filled with the Spirit, and growing in the Word daily. Somebody said, I wish our church was more like the first century church. They met daily. We meet daily every single morning. You can be here 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, early morning prayer. We pray. We spend time. There's fellowship after we say, I can't be there because I'm working. Okay, I understand, but we stream it. We have church every day. We are the church. It's not a building. It's not, it's not something, well, it's, it's 9, 11, and 6, and then, Sunday, and then Wednesday. Yeah, this is a corporate gathering, very important. We'll never stop doing that. But you should gather to learn God's Word. I'm in God's Word every day. I'm learning every day. I'm praying every day. I mean, he's my best friend. I walk with him. I talk with him. I'm lifting weights. He helps me to move the weight. He gives me wisdom. Training in God's Word. Are you being trained in God's Word? I'm telling you, the revival train is moving. And some people are going to be left behind and wonder what happened. There's an emphasis of the Holy Ghost. We're going to do that. We're going to continue an emphasis of the Holy Spirit. Somebody said there needs to be an emphasis of the Word, not the Spirit. No, it's the Spirit that has preeminence. And yes, we'll teach the Word. Teaching you the Word right now. Look at verse 10. So daily, they talked daily, discussions daily. Are you telling me I need to have discussions daily in the Word? Well, you ought to check yourself if you don't feel like it and you can't stand reading the Word. There's probably something wrong with you and you need to get healed. You need to get set free. And then, yes, if you want to become a spiritual athlete, get in the Word every day. Memorize the Word. Grow in the Word. Have a lifestyle of prayer. The third thing you'll see here as a an element of outpouring. And I see this, all these things are taking place here, an emphasis of the Holy Spirit, the words being taught in homes, being taught now. The third thing is, verse 10, this went on for two years. How many years? Two years. So that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, all of them heard the word of the Lord. How did that happen? Because it wasn't just looking for an evangelist to rise up and do it. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm so thankful for evangelists. I'm so thankful for the five-fold ministry gifts. But I want to tell you what causes the church to grow. You think about how you ended up here. Somebody invited you. There's a few people that go by and they're like, man, there's always cars in the parking lot. I'm like, I know. If it was bigger, there'd be more cars. Good news, we have a bigger parking lot. It's about 16 acres. witnessing. They shared their faith. And it wasn't like somebody had to teach them the Romans road. It was something that was in them. They couldn't help but testify. Oh, listen, hey, hey, have you heard about Jesus? It wasn't something that they had to do to get check marks or had to do it so that they could fulfill some religious obligation. You understand? It was something that came from their very being. I can't help but testify because I was lost and I was broken and I was hurting. I was destitute. I was tormented. I would hear voices and see things. It was normal fare for me. 
That's how my life was. My life was tormented, and some of you understand that. The truth is, without Jesus, if you, whether you be wealthy or poor, or from some pedigree or no pedigree, or silver spoon in your mouth, you didn't born when you didn't have no spoon. We all have the same condition as sin. And Jesus comes into your heart and he'll heal you, he'll set you free, and he'll write, he'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life and he will fill you with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And when resurrection power is working on the inside of you, all of that curse, all of that dead stuff can't stay. You'll get healed, you'll get set free. See, you're kind of intense. I know. It's pretty intense. Emphasis of the Holy Spirit. Emphasis of the teaching of the word. And they witness so much. Listen, I, I don't know why our whole community is not saved yet. Why would that be? They're obstinate. I'm sure they are. But could it be also that we just need to ramp up and be this New Testament church like these disciples of Paul? And within two years, all of Alaska was born again. Could that be said about Alaska? Yes, it could. I heard it prophesied by Cindy Jacobs that, that Hawaii would be the first Christian state. But I think she missed it just a little bit because I think it we're actually, I think Alaska is going to be the first Christian state. She was off just a little bit, maybe. Two years, the whole place hears a word. The fourth thing you'll see is in verse 15 is miracles. I mean, there's all kinds of miracles taking place and the casting out of demons. The casting out of demons. Is that normal? Every single service, every service, including tonight's, every service here, there's demon power being broken off people. But you've watched too many movies, Buffy the Vampire or whatever, it's too many things to think it has to slither and take authority and then all kinds of, you know, some crazy. We don't let demons come and, and take authority over our service. In fact, I bind, gag, and muzzle every demonic assignment over every single person that might be here. Re- refuse to let you manifest even now. I serve you notice. We've had a remarkable breakthrough of deliverance taking place on Wednesdays. I was telling Dr. Morocco, he said, well, that's, that's awesome. I was like, yeah. He said, make sure you got a lot of people praying for you. You start breaking through like that. You need a lot of prayer. So pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for my wife. Pray for my staff. Pray. Verse 15, one day evil spirit answered him and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know about. I like that. I like the fact that, of course, Demons know about the Lord. But I like the fact that demons also know about Paul. You see, you and I are supposed to be known in heaven as well as known in hell. I, I do believe that when, when we wake up, if we're walking rightly before God, walking in authority, walking in power, understanding the gifts of the Spirit and who we are in the kingdom, that when we wake up, I believe the devil's like, oh, oh no, he's awake. Oh, They knew about Paul. I mean, they're having discussions. What are we going to do about that guy, Paul? It's kind of crazy to think about that, that this demon responds and says, 
Jesus I know, Paul I heard about. And then he says this, but who are you? But who are you? You see, they were the seven sons of Sceva, and I've preached on it before. They were using Jesus' name and, and, and using the affiliation of Paul as their means of authority without, without having an identity, without having a relationship with the Lord, one that would carry power. It was like a lucky rabbit foot. Rabbit foots, I don't know how you could get luck out of a dead rabbit. Why would you carry a rabbit's appendage in your pocket for luck? Why would you do that? But some people have crosses around their neck for the same thing. You have a cross around your neck. I said it before. I've said it for 15 plus years. You have a cross around your neck. It's not going to keep a devil from sinking its teeth into your neck, but a relationship with Jesus will. You know where this came from, this Catholic thing? I met some on-fire Catholics today. I meant to tell you that. I didn't tell you. I guess God's doing, where's, where's Mayor Edna? I guess God's doing something in a church in Palma. And uh, is that right? Father Michael. They said they named the church after him. It's his joke. It's St. Michael's or something, right? So I met this, I met this couple, and uh, I saw a Christian fish. I was going to start witnessing to him, and I look over at the car, and I see the fish. I said, oh, that means me and you guys love Jesus. And they said, yep, we're Catholics. I said, excuse me? I said, get out of here. I said, wow. I, I was kind of offensive at first. I, I backpedaled pretty quick. I don't know. It's just you don't find on-fire Catholics too often. And so we got talking about church. and I got to, They said, oh, our church is amazing. Our power, oh, it's so amazing. Our congregation, uh, Father Michael, and started telling us about how God's pouring out his spirit in, 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 at the church in, in, the, in, in Palmer. I'm going to tell you, when God's pouring out his spirit in the, in, the, in the Catholic church, you know something's going on. Woo! I said, so you guys are kind of like charismatic Catholics then. They're like, what? And so I told them a little bit of history from Notre Dame back in the 60s. How many of you come from a Catholic background? How many of you are being healed of Catholicism? Just raise your hand. Okay. Not every Catholic church is on fire. It all depends kind of on the, on the priest. But this, this Father Michael uh, planted the church in Siberia for some 25 years, and he's the real deal. He really loves God. Now, I, I, you know, I don't know where the worship of Mary is and all of that. I mean, that's obviously idolatry, but I'm pretty sure they're not bowing down to Mary over there. It really kind of depends. <laughs> Let's have a praise break. Go ahead. There's some, there's, there's some doctrine in the Catholic Church that's very messed up. And some would call them a cult. I don't want to go too deep into that, but, but I, I met some people over there that are born-again Catholics, and they told me about how God's touching people and how they're growing and how this priest is just really exuberant and he talks about Jesus and talks about being born again. I thought, that's awesome. Come on, God's doing something in the province of Asia. God's doing something in Alaska. He's pouring out his spirit. There's an emphasis of the Holy Ghost. There's an emphasis on teaching of the word. There's an emphasis on witnessing. There's an emphasis on miracles, on miracles, and on casting out demons. And there's these instances, it says, that the Lord was held in high honor. Kind of amazing. 
these seven sons of Sceva, they, they, they get beaten with such a beating and they run out naked and bleeding. And it brought, it brought a, the fear of the Lord is what it brought. It brought the fear of the Lord. One of the reasons there's not a greater outpouring is because there's not been a fear of the Lord. It's not even been taught. You think it's hot in here, hell is way hotter. We have air conditioning in our new building. The fear of the Lord needs to be modeled. It needs to be taught. I've, uh, and and it's, it's, it's quite a topic. If you look on what the fear of the Lord brings and the gift of the fear of the Lord, teach us to fear, to fear your name. Give us the fear of the Lord. My wife prays that all the time. It's a great gift. Come on, say, God, give me the, the gift of the fear of the Lord. Give me the fear of the Lord. Because they thought if these, if these seven sons of Sceva got beaten down like that, then maybe I need to get some things out of my life. And you'll notice what happens. What happens is they begin to bring their evil items, their evil deeds. They begin to confess their evil deeds. In some of the early years of being here, we had a burn barrel outside. You know, maybe we need to do that again. Okay, let's do it again. Let's get a 55-gallon barrel and put it out at the front. Can we, can we figure that out, Pastor Kirsten? And uh, we should probably have a lid on it or something and have somebody man it because when people throw their evil stuff in there, we don't want anybody to go fishing. And we'll burn it, all right? Let's do that Wednesday. You got some stuff you need to get rid of? You bring it Wednesday and set it on fire. All right, We're, let's burn. Some of you got some things in your house. You're wondering why, wondering why you don't have the breakthrough. Could it be that you have the, you know, Anton LaVey signed copy of the demonic Bible? Could you, could you, maybe? You're like, Anton who? Don't look it up. I won't repeat it. They confessed their evil deeds and they brought, I think in today's money, it was $4 million worth of, of evil sorcery scrolls. Somebody said, I don't want to get rid of those things. They cost a lot of money. You won't be needing any money if it takes you to hell. You need to get rid of it. You need to get rid of it. And somebody said, well, I'm just going to bring it to a pawn shop. Some things I think you can pawn off, you know, the gold ring that your mistress gave you that you hold on to now that you're married and you still have it because, and every time you go in your little special drawer, did I step in something? And you see that thing, be like, well, it's gold. Get rid of it. And whether you realize you're remembering, you know, Susie Q or whoever it was, or Bubba, or Jethro. <laughs> they came and they confessed their evil deeds. Verse 18, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. I've shared this before. It's a funny story. It's a true story, so I'm told. It's in a college, a football player, All-American, gets born again. And he's saved and begins to serve God. And they have a burning of evil things. You know, everybody bring all your evil stuff and burn it. Wednesday night, we'll have a bucket out there, a 55-gallon burn drum, and we'll, we'll get rid of it and we'll set it on fire. Amen. Wednesday, this Wednesday. So bring stuff. You're like, what if somebody knows? Who cares? Bring it in a brown bag. Don't just, you know, openly bring, yeah, this is my bong. I'm going to get rid of this, right? Like, put it in a bag. We don't want to see your stuff. We don't want to see it. Amen. 
Some of you need to burn your phone. This football player went off to a, a game that weekend and he was convicted because he had a pile of pornography underneath his, his bed back when they had magazines. I don't know if they still have them. I don't know. But you get phones, like I said. So well, He called his, uh, his youth, his, the leader that led him to the Lord and called him and said, listen, I got to get rid of these things. I got to get right with God. He said, just, they're, they're underneath my bed. Just go in my room, and they're in a brown bag, and just get them, and, and would you burn them? Would you just get rid of them all for me? He said, man, dude, I'll do it. Way to go, bro. Way to go for God. Way to break that thing. Come on, let me pray for you, Father. I thank you. Pornography broken in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So the, the leader goes and goes under the bag. There they are, big stack of magazines, and he brings them out to the fire. Everybody's throwing their stuff on, and here's the leader. Throwing in these pornographic magazines. They're not mine. They're not mine. <laughs> Listen, when you get desperate and hungry for God to move in your life, you don't really give a skip, a fig. You don't really care what people think about you. You will do whatever it takes to be embraced in the arms of the master and let go of your shame, let go of your guilt, let go of that stuff and get set free. And really the only reason that Christians still live that way is they don't have a fear of the Lord. publicly destroyed their idols. Verse 19, a number who practice sorcery. Now, that, that's interesting to me because they're believers. So these are believers that practice sorcery. Oh, that doesn't happen today. What, are, you, are you kidding me? Well, it sure does. Just so it stings a little bit, just, just grip your seat. Just grip your seat. Just hold on for a second. Hold on. You ready? Okay, you know that those fits of rage and that anger you have that you used to control your wife or you used to control your husband or you used to control your kids? It's witchcraft. So in other words, you get so big and so angry and so filled with rage that, that God forbid anybody would come against whatever you're thinking or doing or wanting. Whether it be, listen, you both, well, it's for righteousness. You show me one place that Jesus got all big and, and terrified people. Now, he flipped over tables. There's, there's certainly a righteous indignation, but I love what Pastor Karen said in the study of anger. Righteous indignation. Man doesn't have a righteous indignation, one preacher said, because the second they got it, they would mess it up with their flesh. God definitely has a righteous indignation. I think we do things as Christians to manipulate at times. Christian witchcraft. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, I don't know what he's talking about right now. They publicly destroyed their idols. Whether you realize it or not, Pastor Karen uh, was following two gurus before she got saved. These two spiritual teachers that were, they were filled with demons. And uh, she was employed, for lack of a better word, to make these things called malas. How many of you know what a mala is? Okay. And she was really good at it. And people gave them these beads from Tibet and all these different places. And she would make these malas and she would make them for all these people. Well, she got born again and she still had a whole bunch of beads and orders for making malas. 
And after she was born again and returning to the house, she made a decision to never go back to serve God with all her heart. Returning to the house, we walked to that house. It was like devils were there, angry that they had lost them. You could feel it. It was a tangible darkness that you could cut with a knife. Like you walk in and then the temperature changes and you're like, dude, this is creepy in here. I mean, full creep vibe. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We gathered all of her stuff, put it in a drum, dragged it down to the beach. We were in Hawaii, and we set that thing on fire. And when we set it on fire, there was a, there was a tangible freedom that came to Karen. I mean, it was like chains were breaking, and I think we heard stuff, like screeches and howls, and it burned forever. We left it there and came back the following day. It was still burning. And something happened to Pastor Karen. She got set free from that bondage. And I'm going to tell you, some of you are holding on to stuff. And if you want to experience revival, you could come to church every day of your life. And if you hold on to that stuff, you'll still be under the power of it. You got to break off those things. You got to burn them. You got to set them on fire. You got to get rid of it. Why didn't they do it before? And like I said, they didn't have a fear of the Lord. They had no fear of the Lord. No consequences. They didn't realize there was going to be consequences to their evil. No real fear of God. No honor of God. This last verse here, it says, In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Worship team, please. In this way. Everybody say, in this way. In what way? Casting out of devils, devils, people burning their stuff, the teaching of the word, witnessing, emphasis of the Holy Spirit. That wasn't in order. Emphasis of the Holy Spirit, teaching the word, witnessing, confession of evil deeds, burning their stuff in this way. See, what the, what the text is saying, Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, what he's saying is, this is how it happened. This is just some of it. Because it's in this way that the word of the Lord spread. So there's, an, to me, it reminds me of the, the end of the book of John, where if all the miracles of Jesus were written, not all the books of the world could contain them. It reminds me that in this way, there's all kinds of things that happen. Do you think that's possible here? Oh, it's not only possible. I believe it's begun. But, it, but in this way, I believe that God wants to do more. If he could just get more people on the same page, if he could just get us to agree with his word, to, to emphasize the outpouring of the Spirit and the power of the gifts of the Spirit, even the casting out of devils. You messing with my mind? Even the casting out of devils. Don't touch the mic. Even the casting out of devils. Teaching the word, getting in the word daily. You get in the word daily? Well, get in the word daily. And listen, get your get the rhema every day. What do you mean by that? Read the word until somebody's like, bam, woo, whoa, that's good right there. Every day, feed. Get fresh manna every day. Manna was only good for one day. Get fresh manna every day. Develop a prayer life. 
Learn to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Learn to hear His voice. My sheep know and hear my voice, says John. The Gospel of John. Talking of Jesus, who said, my sheep know and hear my voice. It's normal to hear God's voice. It shouldn't just be leaders that hear hear God's voice. Everyone should hear God's voice. How do I know that I'm hearing His voice? When He spoke to you and told you to give your heart to Him, that was His voice. When you knew got to get right with God. That was his voice. Get rid of your evil deeds. Confess them. Now listen, I don't think you should confess evil deeds to just anybody. Confess it to somebody who's, who's done it, who's living the life, who's walking the walk, talking the talk. Confess, confess it, and men with men is good. Women with women. Confess that thing. Some of you need to burn some stuff. Wednesday, we'll have a barrel out there. We used to do it years ago. I just felt like, you know what? It's summer. We need to burn some things. Look through all of your books in your library. Look through all of your pictures. Look through your clothes. Look through your stuff. Look through your special drawer. You see that ring. Ah! I think rings you could take to the pawn shop, get rid of those or melt them down, tithe on it, and sanctify them. You can sanctify some stuff. Some stuff you can't sanctify, right? You know, a jade Buddha, pretty hard to sanctify that. Amen. We've known people that, that destroyed idols that were jade, big, big money, huge money, and they realized, you know something? My walk with God is more important than whatever this thing cost me. But it was in my family for generations. All the more reason to get rid of it. Fear of the Lord. Did you get something from God? I did too. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.